Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 29, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 53, paragraph 4. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Janice B. 12 Traditions, Kathy W. The readers of the text, Marcella M., Sylvia F., and Katie F. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, April 28, 2014, is 6243. 6243. Our OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice C. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Janice B. in Vermont, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe the power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Fast. Thank you. I will now ask Kathy W. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. This is Kathy W. from Manitoba, Canada, recovered compulsive overeater. One, our compulsive, uh, our, excuse me. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has, has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always to maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all, of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 53, paragraph 4, for context, and continue reading and our focus share on page 54, paragraph 1. I will ask Marcella M. to begin reading. Good morning, Melanie, and thank you for your service. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Page 53, last paragraph. That was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? Or did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, objective faithful to the God of reason. So, in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. We found, too, that we had been worshippers. What a state of mental gooseless that used to bring on. Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiments, things, money, or ourselves? And then, with a better motive, had we not worshipfully 
he hailed the sunset, the sea, or a flower? Who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing we saw at last. Were not these things a tissue of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? It was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. So these two paragraphs together um, ask me and confront me um, with this question. What is the center of my life? And who or who is the center of my life? Or And what do I love? Or whom do I love? And um, it also tells me that my feelings, these loves, these wants, these longings, determine the course of my life. And so what I see in these two paragraphs is the words love, faith, and worship. So let me tell you, when I was in the food, I I would say, like, my, my whole narrative was permeated with thoughts and talking about food. I love everything about food. I love to plan a big feast. I love to go and buy it. I love, I love to sort it out. I love to cook it. I love to serve it and display in beautiful decorative. I certainly love to eat it. I love people telling me, you are a great cook. What I didn't like is the effect that food had inside of my body and my mind. That I didn't like. And then I would go for a solution with, you know, diets here and diets there and these doctors. Or on genes and trying to work out and, and, and get rid of all the calories that I have ingested. And I also used to say, I that gym I love and that coach I love, but this one I don't. And what I never loved was my body. I never loved my body. I was never grateful for my body. Why? Because I was carrying around the evidence of my addiction and that I couldn't love. And before you know it, it's 10 o'clock at night and my whole entire day and 100% of my awareness and my intelligence has been focused on what did I eat, what do I eat, when is my next meal, how many calories, how many grams of carbs, where, how, what am I going to wear, what does fit, opening my closet to despair, nothing fit, and being afraid of mirrors killing everybody who had my picture taken. And everything was just the center of my universe was me and food and the effect of food in my body. So as you can tell, there was no love for anything else or nobody else. And that's not a very pleasant way to live. It's just it's just forget the weight gain and, and that I'm a size 16 growing into 18 on a frame of 5 feet 3. Um, that 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 that's the my whole. I was absorbed and consumed by the problem food, and I didn't have any love left for anybody. So that was back there and then. But now I live in this paragraph. It's written on page five hundred and fifty-two. Um, it's the last paragraph, and it says this great experience that released me from the bondage or fools of hatred, and was replaced with love. It's really just another affirmation of the truth I know now. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous. 
and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. So before program, I used to think, I just need another bite. I just need another meal. If I could just eat what I wanted without the consequences, then I would be happy. Well, that was not the truth. As soon as I was directed to this group, to a vision for you, and somebody took the page, patiently took me through the doctor's opinion and, and explained to me that when it comes to food, there are certain foods that I'm violently allergic to. And, and, and I have the willingness to put them down. Then now, this way of life and what I eat when it's time to eat, that's what I want. That wonderful feeling in my stomach of it's enough, it's enough. I have enough strength and enough nurturance to, to live my day. That's what I wanted. Coming to this meeting and, and being in contact with you, everyone's in the blue moon seeing your faces live or just listening to your voices. That's what I wanted. Um, reading this book with another person and being in awe, how well, I'll never get bored of these texts, and I get bored easily, but I'll never get bored of this book. That's what I wanted. Um, being light and going to bed with a flat stomach and waking up hungry for breakfast, that's what I wanted. And I never wanted all what I thought I wanted. So as you can tell, my love has been, my love and my longing and my wants are not what it used to be. And it says right here, these feelings define our existence. That's the proof that a psychic change has happened to me. It had happened to me and it can happen to you. If you just pursue this as I used to pursue diets and food and feasts and everything food related, it will happen to you too. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Who would like to comment on what was read? Katie G. from Boston. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Melanie C. Thank you for your service, and thank you for everybody showing up here. Grateful, recovered for today. Compulsive overeater, and um, where are we? We are squarely confronted with the question of faith, right? And um, I was with my sponsor, and we were reading through We Agnostics, and what was so helpful for me is that she talked to me. It was like getting out every last lick that I had that I that I'm not good, that I'm not a worshipper, you know, that I couldn't, I couldn't worship something because I'm so much better than that. And what she did is, what we did is we went through, had we not variously worshipped people, and I listed out people like my ex, um, thinking about him all the time, wondering what he's doing, what's he saying, why is he calling me, why is he emailing me? And then sentiment, how many times would I drive around with the music blasting, I remember when I was in the food, I was, um, I, I, act, I was eating and drinking. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, here's a movie of a young 20-something-year-old girl, like, close up, look at her. You know, this, this crazy delusional thinking when the truth is I was locked in an apartment on a Friday night all alone, binging my brains out. And then what are things? What kind of things did I worship? Clothes, cars, house, money, and myself. How often did I worship myself and how did I worship myself? I would want to be the center of attention all the time. And if I wasn't, 
you know, like everything that you did, if you looked at me funny, then somehow that was about me. It was all about me, you know. Um, so we went through these examples, and then we went through the um, the different examples, like, you know, worship leading, beholding the sunset, the sea, or the flower. And I could finally identify in, right, like after being devastated, that I have no power, choice, or control when it comes to food. And I'm unmanageable. My life is unmanageable by me, whether I'm eating or not. I needed to, um, you know, believe that I'm, I'm insane and I need a power greater than myself. And this paragraph helped me realize I need God and I have the capacity for worship if I apply it well. You know, how free do I want to be? Do I want to continue to worship people, sentiment, things, self? Or do I want to worship God? And really, the truth is, you know, my sponsor said to me, how's that going for you? And frankly, guys, it doesn't go too well. Worshiping people, it's not the greatest foundation for a relationship. And worshiping things and, and, and myself, not the greatest foundation. What did it get me? Of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, a clean food plan, a fellowship, which, of course, I love. But that's where it got me, you know, and it got me to a relationship with God, which today for me, like that's, that's what I want. I want more of God every single day. And I don't, I don't worship, you know, I, I, there are still times that I fall short. I'm not, you know, exempt from being human and from being a compulsive overeater, but I have a solution that works and I have a God that I know is there. And with the, the, and I know for a fact that the things I place in his hands, my life, relationships, everything are better than I can imagine and uh, grateful to be here on the line and with that I do pass. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Jackie. I'd like to share. Sarah, good morning. And someone else before you, Sarah? I mean, after you, I guess. Jackie. Jackie. Sarah, thank you, and then Jackie. Uh, Good morning, Melanie. Good Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarah. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, I've always had dependency on something um, and and that it it really always did drive me to a place um, of loneliness, of of wanting more, of feeling not enough. And, um, you know, I had a sponsor that used to say to me, practice being satisfied. And I remember going through a time when I thought my life was over because of a relationship I had. And she told me to start listening to love love songs and music as if, you know, it was God that was that I was longing for and I remember hiking through the through the mountains in, in Arizona and um and doing that. And it really started to help me. Um instead of seeing a male figure or or a person, it was um my higher power that was um offering me that love and you know, it talks a lot about um, in the big book, a lot about um, the beauty of nature, and for me, that's that's really where I have found uh, my higher power. Um, that I feel that sense of my higher power more than anywhere else in life, whether it be out by you know by the ocean or uh, out in nature. And um, I think the thing that um, I was always looking for is somebody loved me. You know, somebody loved me, somebody, you know, be here for me, uh, and yet I pushed so many people away. And, you know, it was all about me 
and, and never about what I could give and never about really truly loving. And for me today, um, you know, I, I do have the capacity to love with God's grace. And, um, you know, I'm grateful. And if I start out my day, um, first thing, you know, really saying thank you, uh, God, for all that you've given me. Thank you for all you've taken away from me. And most importantly, thank you for what, what you've left me. And ask God to direct my thinking, my behaviors, and, and my um, and my uh, actions. Um, you know, I have a much better day, and I know that, that I'm, I really am never alone. Um, but it really depends on how I start out, and that is extremely important for me. And as how I end up, too, you know, looking at what I've done during the day. So I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for the program and for my higher power most of all. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Jackie, you're next. Yes, this is Jackie. I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. And uh, this chapter is really good. It says, uh, had we not uh, variously worship people, sentiments, things, money, and ourselves, and I clearly see myself all over this, uh, what I used to be like. And um, yes, I was. I, I worshipped my husband uh, when, when I was married. Uh, I felt like I needed validation from him. Every day I needed validation. Tell me you love me. Tell me this. If I didn't hear it, then my 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 church was food. I would worship the food. And I knew I worshipped it because every time food went in my mouth, my head bowed down. See? And I knew I wasn't praying in that place, but I knew I was getting some form of worship from doing that. Because, see, this paragraph talks about the feelings. My feelings was my soul. My soul was not being nurtured. And that's why I bowed down to that plate of food every time and worshipped. And that's what Bill is saying. You, well, if you wasn't worshiping God, you worship something. And yes, I did. I thought I had the world and the stopper in my hand. I thought that I could control everything. But this is what I soon realized. That that I thought I was worshiping caused me to lose. And if, when I found God, he said that I'll give you that and more. I'll provide what you need if you just do my works and do them well. And then I realized, wow, that's all I have to do is just work. But when I worked for that other thing, I worked. I worked till I passed out. I worked till I was exhausted. I laid in the bed the majority of the day. I isolated. So now today I have to realize who I am truly serving. Because when I did pick a God, that God worked me until almost I could have killed myself. But today the God that I worship is of love, not of destruction. And uh, because I know now my feelings are my soul, and when it's, it feels bad, I know I'm, I'm not aligned with the God of my understanding. I treat my soul today like I'm tuning into a radio channel. I turn the dial until I find in that connection with God today when um, I show up in a place that I know I should not be. And today I thank God that I can tune in and, and say thank you. Thank you for letting me tune in. Thank you for giving me the feelings that I have to know now when I'm misaligned. And uh, I, I truly thank him. I thank uh, you guys for being on this phone so I can connect today. See, I, I, I turned my radio on this morning. 
and I connected with a vision for you because, see, somebody is vibrating a thought that I needed to hear this morning. And I thank everyone for that, for vibrating, because, see, I, I learned that people around the world vibrate thoughts. Thoughts thoughts bring on good feelings for me today, especially good thoughts. And I can t- tune in and hear God speak to me through this program. And with that, thank you for letting me share in our past. Thank you, Jackie. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Larry. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Uh, Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, I guess I'll zero in on, uh, you know, about these, this notion of feelings. You know, um, it says, were not these uh, things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? And you see, for me, you know, what I understand today is, is feelings change. You know, it's like the weather, you know. Um, why? Because the, the circumstances in my life are ch- constantly changing. And I can't control these things. I used to think that I could. But if I, if I just squeezed out more control of my circumstances, you know, that, that my life would be better. So if I can control you, and I can control everything around me. The more control I have, you know, the, the, the better things will go. And look, life, life happens on life's terms, not on, not on my terms. And yet the evidence that I've moved from a, a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence is unmistakable. I mean, the central fact of my life today is that God has indeed done for me what I could not do for myself. I tried to do it for myself. He, he's taken me, you know, from the scrap heap to a life better than I, I, I could not have imagined a life better. And, you know, when I mentioned that, you know, I, I hear other people talk about that. I would think, well, la-di-da, you know, good for you. I'm, I'm still miserable. Glad you have a, you're feeling better today. And what I could tell you is that it, it's not so much a feeling better today. You know, I got the storm. Calamity is, is either in your life now or it's on its way. hate to break it to you, but that is the case for me. You know, and yet, so too, you know, through the gift of this program is the ability to transcend those challenges and those difficulties. I just didn't know it before because I, I didn't feel much of anything because I numbed out all my feelings, good or bad, too much of anything. Too much of any feeling I numbed out with, you know, with my binge foods. I don't need to do that today. For many, many, many 24 hours, I have not found it necessary to pick up my binge foods, but not just the binge foods. That was my central focus. I have not found it necessary to pick up my self-centered behaviors, you know. What am I doing, not just the hour that I, that I spend, you know, here with all of you, but what am I doing for the other 23 hours today? You know, and, 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 and how, I mean, the evidence today is, is how is it that a guy like me, you know, came into this program self-centered to the extreme, who day after day sought shortcuts for everything, never, never able to sustain anything of value, you know? How can I show up in life today, every day, regardless of what's going on? I mean, people can rely on me today. God has straightened me out where, where I'm, I'm, I'm actually reliable. And, and, you know, it said once the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I didn't get that. I thought I had a physical problem 
that required a physical solution, end of story. Now, I had a spiritual sickness, spiritual malady, and that was straightened out by working these steps. I don't know how or why. I just know that it is, and I just accept it. I don't need to debate anymore or analyze. It just works. And so then when that happened, then I straightened out mentally and physically. And regardless of what my feelings are today, you know, um, I, can, I can face today and I can look someone in the eye and I am congruent. I'm walking the walk and talking the talk today. Thank you, God. I'm not doing that. God has, has, has done that for me. So with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Monica. This is KDF. Hi, Monica, and then KDF. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a uh, recovered compulsive overeater. And so here we are in the chapter, we agnostics. We agnostics. We without knowledge. Or we who uh, believe there's no God. Or we that believe that no God, can, that the, it just can't be proved, you know. Agnostics, atheists, or just me without knowledge. And uh, so they're trying to get us in this chapter here that if we're in one of these situations that um, can we think a little bit different? Can we think outside the box? You know, and, you know, it would make the hair stand up our ends. Uh, you you got to believe in God? What are you talking about? You know, uh, there is no God. I don't believe that, you know, or, or, what, or wherever our thinking may be. And so this whole chapter is being talked about trying to get us to think, to change our thinking, you know, our, to think something a little differently from what we've been doing, because like has been already said, you know, how's that working for you? You know, how's that working for you? And so in this particular uh, paragraph here, they're, they're trying to get us to think, you know, um, you know, you maybe you've been said uh, worshiping God and and makes the hair stand up our necks, you know, I, I, I'm I, not sure about all of that. And they say, well, think about it. Haven't you worshipped other things? Haven't you worshipped money? You know, what's worshipped? Reverence? Loved? Haven't you loved somebody else? Haven't you loved money? Yourself? Things? You know? Hadn't I not put my faith in things like that? No, I can remember thinking this crazy compulsive mind of mine. I can remember thinking, hey, if I got that fancy-dancy little sports car, then I would be able to be good. Or if I got that nice little ring there, I'd be able to be good. Look at these crazy things I was worshipping. They certainly didn't help. You know, who of us has not loved something or somebody? You know, and then they're going to say, how much do these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Nothing. You know, I've fallen in love with someone that wasn't the best for me. You know, what kind of reasoning was that? Little or nothing we saw at last. And then it goes on to say, in one form or another, we had been living, no, wait a minute, it was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith, for trust, or love, or worship. Because in one form or another, we've been living by faith and nothing else. So they're trying to get us to see and to think, you know, it's not so far-fetched to put a little trust, to put a little faith in 
a power that's greater than me because haven't I been doing that in a sense when I have turned to people, places, and things to try to make me happy or to try to solve my problems? And none of those have worked because they are physical solutions and they have not worked for me because I have a spiritual problem and I need a spiritual solution. So they're trying to get me to think about this stuff and see about this. And am I willing to think outside my little box? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Katie F. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. So uh, I just wanted to focus on this last line. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. And that is where I was. You know, I had been in these rooms for six years, and I had gone to church, and I'd been involved in church my whole life to one degree or another. And so it was, um, it was very confusing to me why I kept picking the food back up, because I did have faith. You know, I did think that I had faith in God. And so for someone like me, it was pretty devastating to just keep picking up the food and picking up the food and picking up the food. Uh, I couldn't figure out why it didn't work. Um, But of course, it's because I was putting the faith. um, I believe that the food was still doing something for me. And I wouldn't put down the food long enough to see God working in my life. I, um, I had to acknowledge that um, I did put faith in, too much faith in myself, that I thought that I could talk myself out of things. I thought that I had really good ideas, and I wasn't willing to let go of uh, my way of doing things and to try something new. So I wasn't willing to put... um, you know, that that pause between the idea of picking up the food and picking it up. I, I, it all happened so fast. I was so impulsive that I didn't, um, I just didn't think that God would meet me where I was. So until I started to realize that, you know, I could trust God to meet me and to help me through any situation that I had, you know, because just losing 70 pounds and, uh, and being on maintenance, you know, it, it, that doesn't solve all my problems in life. That didn't, you know, get me through miscarriages and, you know, death of siblings and, uh, you know, uh, my father dying and, um, and traffic jams and being late and every other excuse you could think of for why I would pick up the food. Um, all those things still happen in my life. It's, it's still life. But the difference is there is a pause where I say, no, I don't have to pick up the food to, to numb out from what's going on around me. I will live through this moment and I will live through the next hour until uh, my next meal or until um, I'm with people that are more supporting or whatever difficult situation I'm in, I have faith today that it's not going to last forever and that God um, has my best interest in, in mind, even if I don't like what's going on. You know, so I'm just so grateful that I 
I uh, can use the faith from my childhood um, for good purpose today instead of just putting it on the shelf and only pulling it out on Sundays or when, um, you know, as a show. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share on what was read before we move on? This is Alice. Hi, good morning, Alice. Good morning. This is Alice, a food addict and bulimic from Florida. And, um, you know, this word worship um, has always been uh, in mind a um, a bad thing, a really kind of insane thing to say I worship something. Um, and yet, you know, I when I look at my um, when I look at my disease, um, I you know, especially the anorexic end of it, I um, my disease became a religion for me, a very cultish religion, and I. I followed crazy restrictions, crazy guidelines that it gave me, um, you know, what to eat, what not to eat, you know, to, to starve, to, um, you know, that look at yourself in the mirror. If you see skin, it's really fat. You need to get rid of it. I just, it was insane. And the most insane part of this is that I created this religion. <laughs> I wrote it myself uh, and followed it. And um, I guess until I, it was pointed out to me one day, you know, that, the worship I had around my um, my disease and the the most important thing in my life, without exception, was to regulate my body weight and to be thin. Um, and you know now it's it's um I I don't well see what I'm trying to say here. Um, I, I I have to say too that the first time that once when my daughter was born and put on my chest and this amazing thing came out of my body, I, I felt a, a faith. I felt a shift there in my life um, completely at that point. But then it went away. You know, I felt very spiritual in that moment, but then it went away. And I went back to the food and everything. Um, but today it's, I don't feel a sense of um, worship of a higher power. It's more like a working together, teamwork type thing. I, I'm always bothered by that, a power greater than myself. Why does it need to be greater? Why can't it be a power outside of myself only? Just another power, you know, e- e- you know, e- equality. And, you know, I do believe that there, there's, you know, I live eight blocks from the Gulf of Mexico. I go down there, I look at the water. It's just I'm in awe and wonder of that just this huge, big, massive water and the waves and how that works. And I don't worship it. I'm just in awe, in awe of that. And and there's lots of things in my life that I am in awe of. And that's, you know, that's that's good enough. That's spirituality for me, it's being in awe and wonder of things. And, you know, I'm today, I, you know, I'm abstinent over a year now. I'm I'm working these steps. I don't have... I don't worship these steps. I don't even um, believe that parts of them. I don't agree with parts of that. But you know what? I'm I'm doing it because um, I don't have an alternative. And as I do it, leaving claw marks on everything I surrender, um, I you know it's it's okay. I get to the next step, and um, I just realize that you know it's okay if I if I am resistant and defiant and. Because I usually, you know, I end up coming around and doing the right thing for myself and doing it. I just, you know, leave call marks on everything. 
Uh, but anyway, I just want to, you know, to to share that that you know when I was in my disease, I was worshiping a crazy religion that I had created myself, and and I think for me, it's it's about creating a different um, spiritual path, and it doesn't have to be following or worshiping any 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 other being. Um, it can just be you know worshiping. Uh, you know the the good, you know the ideals of good, love, peace, equality, and um, I don't mean to go into kumbayaing it here, but I'm just grateful that I am where I am today, and I have no guarantee that I'll be here tomorrow. But today I'm willing to um, follow. I think following directions for me meant to worship something in the past. Just I just didn't want to do it. You know, conform, comply, be submissive. Yuck. You know, and now I I look at it differently. It's actually all taking care of myself, being good to myself. Drinking 64 ounces of water a day it seems punishing to me sometimes, but it's it's you know it's loving myself and to switch over into that thinking from punishment to love is um, is difficult, but I think it's key for me. And that's all I have to ramble about this morning. Thanks. I pass. Thank you. I will now ask Sylvia to read paragraph two on page 54. Hi, this is Sylvia, compulsive overeater and recovered uh, by, by God. Imagine life without faith. We're nothing left but pure reason. It wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you could prove a straight line in the shortest distance between two points. Yet, there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling onto a destiny of nothing, nothingness? Of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves seemed more intelligent than that, at least so the chemist said. So this is Sylvia, recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York. And um, so the chapter for me uh, is we we agnostics, and um, I came in without a belief in God, and I came in without uh, knowledge. And so uh, even though it was late in life, I was a clean slate, and I was desperate and willing. And so for me, uh, it starts with, uh, can I believe in a power greater than myself? And uh, that was easier than this idea of faith, which is much more profound for me. Uh, faith, not just that there is a power greater than myself, but the faith that that power would direct my little, you know, unimportant life, would direct my relationships with others, would direct my physical being, my body. Uh, you know, that, that was a much greater step for me. And so, um, and I was certainly raised in a in a home of uh, intellects and scientists, who, um, and I still see this now in our country that we need to prove it has to be proved before we can believe. So, um, so and and so that uh, I could go to the doctor. You know, I went to the doctor decades ago and said, you know, I just think that sugar, you know, that it makes me crazy. And oh, no, that can't be, you know, the medical profession. No, that's, you know, it hasn't been proven. No, it's just, you know, that's your craziness. And, and I didn't have faith in, uh, in, 
in reading the signs in my own life to say, yeah, I, I couldn't even believe in my own intelligence. I didn't even have that much faith. So uh, now what faith is like for me is I have faith in the 12 steps and that they work for me and they make me less crazy. And so now when I'm experiencing, you know, I, I start to obsess about something an interaction that I had, I get monkeys in the brain. And now what faith looks like is I have faith that I'm crazy, that my mind is not working right then, and that I have to pause, breathe, do nothing, say nothing, except for get back to the program, get back to the 12 steps, whether I have to work a fourth step or work a 10 step, uh, give up my character defect to God and my sixth Whatever it is I have to do, and I have to have patience that my sanity directed by God will return. I never had that before program. I just had crazy thinking. And so um, what that looked like was either a body of almost 200 pounds or a body of uh, close to 100 pounds. You know, that that was the symptom of my craziness trying to figure out either how to uh, make myself feel better. That's all I was trying. I didn't even have faith in that. I was just uh, crazy and desperate. So um, so now, it, you know, it, this faith thing is so elusive for me. But I have so much faith. I have faith that I don't know. I have faith that I have to get up every day, suit up and... Um, work this program as prescribed, that I need to ask for help, that um, I also have faith. Uh, I can tell when, when I'm doing okay. My brain quiets down. I can pay attention to what you're saying. I can be of service to others. And if I'm not that way, I can tell I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. That's all still faith. So, uh, you know, I have, I have faith in uh, I have faith now, and it came from working the steps, going to these meetings every day, having a recovered sponsor, um, uh, the prayer and meditation. It's the whole package. And um, for someone to, to, to challenge, even my own family, to challenge, you know, that, uh, that this belief of mine is ridiculous. For one thing, I don't have to share it anymore. You know, whatever they think, that's their business. But for, for many friends and family who knew me before, they don't understand where I'm coming from, and that's okay. Just faith is faith. It doesn't have to be questioned at all by others. It doesn't, I don't need anyone to stamp any approval on it. It's, it's just working for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much for letting me provide service this morning. Thank you, Sylvia. Who would like to share on what we've read? Sheila? May I share? I heard Jean and then Sheila. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. This is Jean, recovered in Oregon. And um, this this word of faith uh, also boggled my mind when I first started to become a student of the big book. And um, uh, I understand it today in this context as asking us to have faith that, in fact, what's here in the book, the steps, the precise instructions 
that the first worked for the first 100 that to to say okay they're telling us the truth it really did work for them it, they really recovered and then they're saying it can work for you too and so to take all that on faith even though i don't really have a belief just yet or or i didn't when i first encountered this and um, that was um a leap for me particularly in the days when i was in fellowships that weren't uh focused on the big book and i did not get uh tidbits so very frequently the way we do here in this fellowship uh from the book that little little cracks in the veneer that that kind of made me think hmm yeah maybe there is something to this and um uh what I, I i love here uh the way uh, joe and charlie uh comment on faith the idea that um if you're new in town and and you need to go fix your car you don't know anyone and your neighbor says well you know you can take it down there to that guy he did a good job for me so you go on faith you go okay all right i'll give it a whirl and um and that's faith right there and I went, oh, is that all it is? I can deal with that. And then once you take the car down, if they do a good job for you, then you become a believer. Came to believe, I'll be darned. The right word, the exact words, right there, out of the, out of the steps. And um, uh, that has been my experience. I just simply went after the precise instructions, and now. On the other side of the Arch of Freedom, trudging the broad highway, rocketed into the fourth dimension, not perfectly, but so radically, I now believe what became faith has become belief for me and an operating principle in my life. Very grateful for that. Never in the world thought I could access it, but lo and behold, here's our manual. Thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Jean. Sheila. Hello, Good morning, Tina. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can, yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank everyone for the shares this morning. It really pushed me to share and identify. I just heard so many wonderful things to walk away from. And um, I don't know, it's like I'm hearing this particular chapter. I've read it before, but I'm like I'm hearing it with a different ear. Maybe I'm open in a different way. I don't know, but I'm like I'm hearing it in a very different way this time around with the, with this group and the big book study, and I'm grateful for it. Um, I never thought of when I'm bowing down and doing something else or eating or chasing money or chasing titles or whatever it is that I'm, my bedevilments get a hold of me of that I'm, like, disrespecting a power greater than myself. You know, I never thought of it that way. And that the praise and the attention that I give to these things and the work that I put into achieving certain material things or whatever, it's like I'm pushing my God to the side. And, and how, how ungrateful is that to do that? Um, it just really touched me in a very, very special way. And um, I just keep hearing um, one of the things uh, an aunt of mine used to say all the time, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. 
I don't know where I'm going in anything, um, but I know that God walks with me each and every day, and I'm so grateful for it that uh, I can surrender my will. I take it back. God knows I do, but I'm so grateful at the times that I completely surrender and can feel God in my ear, in my body, in my presence. I wish I could say I feel it every day, but I don't, but I'm so grateful for the days that I do feel it. Thank you so much for letting me share, and thank you for your service. Thank you, Sheila. Okay. We have time. Huh, yes, we have time for one more share. Was there this anyone out there that would like to share? Good morning. Good morning, Paula. Good morning, Melanie, and thank you. Thank you for your service. I wanted to scoot on down here with the question: Could we say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, rolling on to a destiny of nothingness? What a sad statement! But look what follows. With that question, of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves make it to the visible eye. You cannot see, yet it is all there. Is that not hints of a great creation? To see or not to see and to still believe because you see the effects of all electron. The electrons themselves seem more intelligent than that, at least so the chemist said, a fine ending and an answer to a question. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Actually, with that, we do have time for one more share. If anyone would like no. to comment before we move on. Melanie? Hi, good morning. Hi, Melanie. This is Mary Lou, recovered in California. Good morning. Please share. Um, I just got a text right now. My brother, my 52-year-old brother is, is dying right now. He's he's struggling to breathe. He's in hospice. And he and I just got the text right now. And, I'm, and the only thing I thought of this morning was to get on this meeting, um, that I need to get on this meeting. Um, he's dying. He's choosing to. And then God will come up here somewhere. God will. Uh, oh, God is here with me right now in this living room, in this space. I'm recovered. I'm full of grief in my throat, in my heart, in my soul for my brother who never got to recover, who is addicted to pain medications, who who is depressed because his wife of 30 years has left him and has decided to withdraw kidney dialysis. So he has spent this last week saying goodbye to everybody, and that was his choice. And I begged him maybe he could go to NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Maybe he could get therapy for the depression uh, because his wife left him because of erratic behavior caused by the narcotic addiction uh, to pain medication. Um, he told me I was fixing my abstinent breakfast. He told me uh, uh, three or four months ago. He said, you know, Mary, I've been a functioning addict my whole life. And I felt like saying, you're not functioning. You've lost your wife. You've lost everything. It's not functioning anymore. It's not glamorous. You still have a home. You still have an income, but you're not functioning. You're dying, brother. I didn't say that, but I'm weighing and measuring my food one morning, five in the morning, and my brother told me this. Fast forward to a few months when he decides to withdraw kidney dialysis. And I'm getting these texts right now, and all I can think of is is recovery and this call and get on the call and take care of yourself, Mary Lou, be there for other people, be present for oneself. Of course, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to weep a lot today because we're going to lose him today. 
But as I'm on this call, I'm getting texts about how he's, his breath is getting shorter and shorter. And what I want to say with all of that is that my grief for him is that he never got to find what we have right, right now, what we have here now. This hope, this, I told Melanie yesterday, this deadly seriousness. This is deadly serious. So I have to find a God, like Harlan told me one time, find a God that you can trust, Mary Lou. And I have him now. And he's a loving God. A loving God. He's a loving God. And and I trust him. I trust him. And so I just wanted to share all that because, you know, I didn't go straight to the text, but I do know that my faith within this grief, within, within this pain that I'm feeling right this moment, that my faith is strong and that I'm not going to pick up today. I'm not going to pick up today and I'm not going to pick up over these feelings. I'm going to grieve my brother. But today I have a chance to recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Today I have a chance and the deadly seriousness of finding a faith that God loves me. He is not a pit bull in the sky. He is not love me or I'll kill you, spirituality. Love me or I'll kill you. That God is gone. He was gone a long time ago when I worked the second step. So I just want to encourage anyone on the line that this God of love, whoever he or she or it is, is waiting for you to hold you and to support you through this process. And um, anyway, I'm just grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be um, a part of this. Thank you so much, Mary Boone, California. Thank you, Mary Lou. Thank you. It is time for us to close our meeting. It is five before the hour, or three before the hour, and thank you to everyone who has shared today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So Katie F., please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggested only. Good morning, this is Katie F. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation, which you can do each day and who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. Events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.